This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. The second Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Uh, this can be found on page 955 in the Pew Bible. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if, the, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, we continue our series in the fruit of the Spirit, that great list of qualities that Paul names in Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 and 23, and uh, we come today to gentleness. So let's ask for God's help. Our Lord and loving Heavenly Father, we do ask for your, your help that we would be more like you, that you would leave the stamp of your character on us by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Now, like kindness, another one of the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness is one of those qualities that I think we admire, but we don't really want very much. As Coco Chanel once said, gentleness doesn't get work done unless you happen to be a hen laying eggs. And I want that to go on record as the first time Coco Chanel has been quoted, perhaps. It may be here in it's a marks. It may be good to be gentle if you're going to be a nurse or a counsellor, but what if you're going to be a barrister or a business owner? It's toughness that gets things done. It's aggression that triumphs in a dog eat dog world. Only a dog is going to win. We think that to be gentle is nice, but to be nice is insipid, and to be insipid is to be weak. It's a sort of forgettable quality and maybe even a bit dull, at least the way we think of it. And this picture of gentleness is highly unappealing, unsexy. Weakness is not virtuous. A person may be nice, but that niceness may come from fear. And that fear may mean they do not possess the fortitude to stand up for what is right. Neither does this picture of gentleness have any passion to it. And we love someone who is passionate about good things. Can a gentle person be also passionate? We worry, does the gentle person care about anything important? Where is their zeal for justice or for the truth? We prize righteous anger above all. What's gentleness got to do with that? As we shall see today, true gentleness is not the opposite of strength or passion. The truly gentle person is the person who is strong, but who treats those who are weaker and more vulnerable with care and protection. The gentle person does not 
break the fragile. Now, as with all the fruit of the Spirit, we look first to the character of God to learn what it is. These fruit of the Spirit are fruit of God's Holy Spirit because they're characters, characteristics that belong first of all to God. But perhaps with gentleness, we are most surprised to be looking at God's character because the Lord God is so utterly, tremendously powerful. I mean, this is the God who lights the fires that burn the stars. This is the God from whom come the great forces of gravity and nuclear fission. The forces of nature that we, even in our technological arrogance, cannot control. Tsunami, cyclone, earthquake, fire, lightning are only glimpses of his sheer power. In Job chapter 26, Job says these words of God. He says, He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake, aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churned the seas. By his wisdom, he cuts the sea monster into pieces. By his breath, the skies become fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of them. Who then can understand the thunder of his power? But it's precisely because of this power that God can show us what true gentleness is. When he deals with us, his creatures, he holds back his power. He restrains himself. He does not crush us. Rather, he stoops tenderly to help us. In Psalm 18 we read, You make your helping, your saving help my shield, and your right hand, God, sustains me. Your help has made me great. And in Isaiah 40 verse 11 we hear, God, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. And that's the great biblical picture of God, isn't it, as the shepherd. A picture of toughness. Shepherds are not exactly genteel, but shepherds are gentle. They are tender and tough all at once. So from the Bible we learn that God is gentle with you and me as his creatures in providing the resources of the earth for our needs. But he is also gentle with us like a good shepherd when we stray from him. He seeks to woo us back to him, to coax us back to himself. Though our brains are too daft to understand him, he speaks to us in words that we can understand. The great Swiss theologian John Calvin once said that God is a little bit like a, a nurse, a nursemaid, a nanny speaking to a baby in baby talk. He's speaking to us in words we can understand rather than the language of his own being, which is way beyond us. I suppose God is very much like my cocker spaniel Maggie who has made appearances from this pulpit before. 
Maggie once, actually more than once, she's brought us a sick bird, a rainbow lorikeet that has fallen into our garden. And she brings us this bird, uh, these birds, she brings them, and uh, they are alive when she brings them. In fact, they are uninjured. Now, Maggie has dog jaws, and I can tell you she has an appetite to match. But it's a feature of her breed that she can pick up a bird, a small bird with fragile bones, hollow bones, and carry it to you without crushing a single bit. So this terrified bird was carried to us in safety in a mouthful of teeth that could have killed it in a second. Such is God's gentleness with us. Or another picture I have of God's gentleness is uh, I was given tickets to see the Sydney Symphony in the Opera House on their home ground one day. And I went there, the full orchestra is in 60, 70 musicians in the room. If you've heard the orchestra in full flight, they can play the 1812 overture. It's deafening, it's loud, it's brilliant, it's, it knocks you out of your seat. The power of these professional musicians who can really crank it up. And yet the most impressive moment of the concert that I saw was the moment when the orchestra played PPP. Very, very soft. And it wasn't just three or four of them playing. It was all of them playing together, but playing this shimmering, delicate music that was powerful and yet quiet. And in that too, a glimpse of the extraordinary gentleness of God. As Isaiah says, a bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Do you sometimes feel like a, a bruised reed or a smouldering wick? All too aware of your own weakness of body and soul? Picking up the bruises and scars of life as you go on, ashamed and even afraid, then know that the Lord God is not cruel or sadistic, even in his righteousness and his gentleness, sorry, his righteousness and his justice, he is gentle. And in Jesus, we see this gentleness walking among us in human form, embodied. And more than any other character in history, Jesus was a picture of this gentle strength, this humble power. Remember the words we heard from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, all you bruised reeds and smoldering wicks, and I will give you rest. My yoke, Take my yoke upon you. In other words, follow me. Be my disciple, I will be your king, but take your yoke upon my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To follow Jesus is not to be enslaved to an abusive or egomaniacal tyrant, but to find rest for your soul, to come to someone who is gentle with you. This is the Lord who carries our burdens on his back. He does not ask us to carry his. He, it is, who bears our sins in his body on the tree. He does not treat us as we deserve, but treats us as we need him to treat us when we come to him. As the 17th century writer Richard Sibbs once said, God has put the great work of our salvation and laid the government 
upon so gentle a saviour as will carry himself so mildly in all things wherein he is to deal between God and us and us and God. Mildly, so gentle a saviour. But notice that this mild Jesus is not weak and he is not without passion. Jesus cares for his father's holiness so much that he overturns the the tables in the temple. His inner resolve is to do God's will, stubbornly, you might even say, to do God's will, resisting temptation wherever he finds it, overcoming the tests that are put before him and the trials that are put before him, resolutely going to the cross because he knew that his people needed it. Toughness and controlled anger in a just cause in Jesus we see are not the opposite of gentleness. He is courageous. He is resolute, unmovable, and yet gentle. So we see in Jesus a deeper definition of gentleness than the one we usually have. Gentleness is where the stronger restrain their strength for the sake of the weaker. And now the Holy Spirit wants us to cultivate this fruit of gentleness in our lives, to be gentle just as Jesus was. Not only does Paul list it as a fruit of the Spirit, but Jesus himself pretty much says the same thing when he says, blessed are the meek. We might have translated that, blessed are the gentle. And Paul tells the Philippians, as we heard earlier, let your gentleness be known to all. So are, are you gentle? Is your gentleness known to all? Are you, are you a gentle person when you have power? And many of us here do have power. Do you exercise it with gentleness? You remember, gentleness is not weakness or insipidity. We can be fooled into thinking that because we are conflict avoidant or passive, that we are gentle. And I guess this is my own personal temptation to sanctify my weakness as gentleness when really it is just cowardice. No, I have to tell myself that true gentleness comes from finding our source of strength and confidence in the gentle Christ who is strong as well as kind. If I'm to grow in gentleness then, it will take me to grow in the realisation of how tenderly and humbly I've been treated by God himself. That always has to be the starting place. Another false move we might make with gentleness is to think that charm is gentleness. And charm, a person who is charming, may have all the appearance of being gentle but they can use that charm manipulatively. They use it not to make space for those who are weaker than they are or in a position where they're in a position of power over them. They may use it indeed manipulatively. So gentleness, we must, we must see through that kind of gentleness in ourselves and in others. There's no gentleness at all. In particular, though, this morning, I want to challenge uh, the men here to a Christ-like gentleness it's a great challenge, this teaching, I think, to, to men and what we feel a true man should be like. Now, of course, gentleness is for both sexes. But we tend to expect men to display toughness and strength and to think of gentleness as unmanly. We celebrate the strength of men, but then we are appalled 
by the unrestrained abuse of that strength, especially when it, but not only, when it's against women. So to the men here today, are you truly a gentle man like Jesus Christ? Now, the manners of a past generation, which we now see as quaint and out of date, taught men to step back and make space for others. They taught us not to abuse our natural physical advantage or our social privilege or whatever it is that we have. They taught us to control and restrain ourselves. They were a habit, a social convention, that was supposed to form an attitude of heart. Now, for whatever reason, some good reasons, some bad reasons, we've lost that habit and terribly we've lost that attitude. Men, rightly or wrongly, people are afraid of us, of our power, of our anger, and sometimes of our violence. But Christian men, men who know and bask in the gentleness of Christ, who found in him that soft strength, ought to be at the forefront of a different kind of masculinity. We ought to be marked by a courageous humility, without arrogance, without domineering, grounded in the knowledge that we are deeply loved, tenderly loved by our Heavenly Father. So is that you? The Bible also advises us all to use gentleness when we deal with the complexity of human relationships. The Proverbs, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament tells us that a gentle answer turns away anger. This is good advice. The response of escalation when someone else is angry, you might have noticed from your life, it almost never works, does it? It only causes destructive consequences. Now, the anger of another person can be extremely frightening. But the safety of standing in Christ gives us the space for a gentle response. The Bible also helps us when we need to offer someone correction. In the New Testament, several times it tells us if someone has erred, if someone has strayed, we are to correct them. We don't let them just go. We don't say nothing when, when wrongdoing occurs, when something happens, when someone is going on a path which might be damaging to themselves and others. But we don't do it by using cruel methods or by shaming someone. We correct people with, with gentleness so that they may be restored. Gentleness is also our magnificent advertising strategy. It's our comms strategy for sharing Christ. One of the things we wish to do here, we aspire to here at St. Mark's, is to be transformed by grace so that we can share Christ. So this is great advice for us to hear. How are we to do that? Well, says Paul, let your gentleness be known to all. The Apostle Peter tells us that whenever we're to be ready to answer any question, be ready to answer the questions people have. So answer them. Don't say nothing when people question why you have hope in you, why they have the hope of Christ in you. But to do it with gentleness and reverence. It tells us to be so different in our conversations with others, so different from the way our, often our public discussions occur. It tells us that gentleness will communicate to people the gentleness of Christ. We're often worried, I think, that sharing Christ will look arrogant and judgmental. But this is nothing like the missionary strategy of the Bible. Certainly some Christians have been arrogant and judgmental in the way they share Christ. 
But how could they? How could they effectively share Jesus with haughtiness and cruelty? The American writer Dallas Willard says, if we are not gentle when we, in how we present the good news, how will people encounter the gentle and loving Messiah we want to point to? For this reason, I really like and recommend the Alpha Course. I think the Alpha Course exhibits this, exemplifies this gentleness because it invites people into a conversation. It's a clear explanation of the gospel, but it does it in the context of relationships. And as we run that uh, next year a few times, if you haven't been to it yet, uh, please do uh, take note and, and go. And uh, it, it's a sort of place that you can certainly invite uh, someone to come so that the Christ will be shared with them, but know that it will be done in gentleness and with reverence and respect. To be gentle is not to hold off from the truth. We can't conceal from people the devastating reality of sin and the coming judgment of God. But we can't do so from a position of superiority or self-righteousness. We share Christ after all because we want people to know his peace and his love as we do. The gospel is God's good news of gentle mercy. So would people say that you are gentle? My challenge this week is to ask yourself, Is there a situation in my life in which I can practice this gentleness, in which I can be more more gentle than I am, so that people can see in you the gentle character of Jesus himself? Let's pray. Our Lord and loving Heavenly Father, we ask that you would make us gentle like yourself, that you would give us the resoluteness and strength that Jesus had, the commitment to the truth and justice, but also his tender heart, his warmth of welcome, and his care for those who are lost. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.